Welcome back, Beatles fans, to another episode of I Saw the Beatles. Let's continue our conversation with Ruth McCartney as she's talking about the hysteria that went along with Beatlemania. So, um, so I mean, I remember when I was in, in the 70s going, Paul uh, rang David Cassidy up and got me tickets. Tony Barrow, who was the Beatles PR guy, was also David Cassidy's PR guy, and I had a horrible crush on him when I was about 12. And actually, mm-hmm. even though he's dear departed, I, I, David became a, a, a boyfriend and a dear friend, and he, just, he was just a lovely man. And so Paul, I got Paul to ring him up and get me tickets for that. And the, the same thing was the screaming, and I'm, sti- I'm standing there at the Main Road football ground in Manchester, trying to yell, shut up, I want to hear him, because <laughs> I'd been to enough people <laughs> things to know that you were never going to hear anything. But, you know, he, Cassidy came out onto the pitch and onto the stage, and up went the screams. It was like, oh, boy, I might as well have just gone to a damn Beatle concert, you know. <laughs> uh, so were you were you recognized by people? No. Did people, did, did people you know, was there, was, was there ever an issue, you know, when you went out that, you know, people would say, wait, or no. were you – could you pretty much walk around just the people i mean just the school kids in liverpool you know people within liverpool and and the circle would know yeah exactly i mean i didn't didn't really start getting recognized until i had my own musical career in russia lithuania latvia siberia armenia in the late 80s and 90s i went there touring as an artist and released records and such and you know people would recognize me for me because my videos were on the one and only Russian TV station 14 times a day, God help him. And um, mm-hmm. so I would get recognized. And then again, when I, when Angie and I started appearing at Beatle Fest, the Mark and Carol Lapidus Fest, mm-hmm. of course, that's a really, you know, it's a captive audience and an educated crowd. So people would, you know, smile and nod in the hallway. I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I could see after a lifetime of extreme mania where it would wear a little bit thin, um, you know, when you're on holiday and you haven't got your hair and makeup on and somebody snaps a picture of you, I could see where that would be annoying. But, you know, it's the price of fame that those people, John Lennon used to call them the customers. You know, he never, ever referred to them as the fans. And so mm-hmm. it's just like being, you know, a famous chef or Steve Jobs or Richard Branson. Everybody who's put you where you are egotistically, creatively and financially is your customer. So you just better keep that smile on and be nice about it. I love these celebrities who go out with a blanket over their head. No photos, please. Well, didn't you read the manual when you signed up to be a superstar that that's and, part of the gig? You know, did you miss that, the big freaking yeah, memo? Yep. Yeah, Paul and Paul always handled it very well as yeah, compared to John, who, you know, he was the one that started this band. And all he kept saying was, we're going to be, you know, it was, you know, we're going to be like Elvis. We're going to be, you know, yeah. like, so, I mean, he, he wanted to emulate, he wanted to be these people. Uh, right. There was no, every book you read says that. And when he got there, he, it just, you know, he hated it. Yeah. I think and, he, I think with John, he's a, he's a very introspective, brilliant, high IQ personality. And I think that him being married first and being a father first, don't forget, you know, Julian was born in what, 64, 65. Um, mm-hmm. And so John went through the whole Beatlemania thing. And now he's a young father. He's in his 20s. And he might, I think he probably had a bit of buyer's remorse and went, oh, crap, what did I sign? What did I? put my family in the firing line for, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I think. And then, and then again, when he had Sean and he, he took, you know, time off to be, you know, Sean's basically co-mother with Yoko. Um, I think he just had a completely different experience. Paul didn't have children until later, until he was in his thirties. And so I think that, that will have an effect on the amount of fame that you crave, depending upon how much privacy you need. Right. Now, Paul, um, just like Jim, or just like his dad had married, you know, Linda, who already had a child, Heather. Um, how old was Heather when you, when you, um, when, so when you, she was, she would be, was nine, she married in December 30th previous to that. So I okay. was nine, we, we were like two, we were not two years and a few months apart. So she, she'd be, she's 58 now. Okay, but at the, at any time were you, I mean, was it a situation where, you know, she was like a little sister or, you know, yeah, obviously she's not, but I mean, did you, did you pal around? You talk oh, about God, Julian. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, no, Heather and I, you know, Paul and Linda would come home a couple of, couple of weekends a month uh, to see Jim and, you know, hang out with the dogs and go ride horses, Get just get out of London, you know. And um, Heather and I had a dressing up box and we would go out in the back garden and put on little plays for the flowers and the roses and just, you know, like kids do. And uh, she was much more horsey and outdoorsy because, you know, she'd grown up in Arizona and she'd learned to ride quarter horses bareback when she was five. Um, And so she didn't have the sort of the conventional little pinky finger tea drinking um, etiquette upbringing that we did in England, mind your P's and Q's, don't, don't speak until you've spoken to, be seen and not heard. She was just a freewheeling American West cowboy kid. And mm-hmm. I thought she was great. I mean, I got on great with her, but a lot of the uh, elderly strict Catholic aunts and uncles sort of sniffed and turned up their nose and bloody kids got no manners, bloody American, you know, bloody yank. So I came to her defense a lot when they would get sort of snobby with her. She just, she wasn't raised that way. She didn't know any better. She, she grew up in New York and Tucson and was just a freewheeling spirit of a kid, just like Linda. She was great. Or she is great. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I'd have to sort of defend her to some of the other cousins who would sort of be horrified and, you know, say, well, she can't come to afternoon tea in, in a, in a tutu and Wellington boots. And I'm like, she can do whatever she wants. What, where's, where does it say in the rules that you can't, she's not offending yeah. anybody she's standing on the furniture, leave the kid alone. So, you know, by the time I was about 13 and she was 11, um, you know, we had that great relationship where it was like, come on, Heather, what are we going to do today? You know, two years is a lot amongst kids, but we found that middle ground, and you know, she was great. I wouldn't but say she was like a sister because we weren't together all the time, but like a very close cousin for sure. Mm-hmm. So, did you did did the fact that you know um, your mom had married Jim McCartney? Um, did it did was it a lo- do you consider it a lonely childhood because of the no, fact no. that more, lo- a lot of people wanted to be, you know, as you said, Paul would say, people were going to like you because they want to get near the Beatles. But, I mean, did you feel that way? Did you feel lonely or? No, I mean, you know, I was in school five days a week. And then uh, when I came home, I had to do the chores to earn my 50 pence pocket, a week pocket money. Um, on Saturdays, I had to wash the car, vacuum it inside and out. Every night, I had to walk and feed the dogs. 
Sundays was helping Jim with gardening and raking leaves or pruning in the greenhouse. So I was really busy. Plus, I had my little friends from school that I'm still friends with, thanks to Facebook. Diane Barlow, Julia Neal, Louise Jones, Gail Proudfoot. You know, we talk to each other on Facebook all the time. So I picked out my certain, you know, half dozen hand-picked girlfriends. And uh, apparently I picked well because we're still friends 55 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that is amazing. That is amazing. So uh, just like... Just like if people want to read uh, your mom's story, you know, your mom talks a lot about you in her books. Um, why don't you repeat for the listeners what's, you know, about those books and how people can yeah. get their hands on them to hear all the stories, the wonderful I, stories. She tells great stories. Yeah, she's a good little writer. Um, so she has two books out. Full disclosure, a lot of the, the material from the first book, which is called My Long and Winding Road, the first 83.9 years. Um that was the catalyst that then we edited to, amended, added to, and created the new book called Your Mother Should Know. And that is um, includes uh, McCartney Multimedia, which is our multimedia agency company. Um, we've, we're developing something called Smart Book Technology, and they are in the form of QR codes. So if you buy Angie's book and you scan it with your smartphone camera, much like you have to do during the pandemic now with restaurant menus and things, you know, um, mm-hmm. that will link you to hours and hours and hours of videos that I personally curated and researched and went and found that go with the story she's telling, whether it's the opening of the Mersey Tunnel in 1934 with King George and Queen Mary or mm-hmm. Beatles Royal Variety performance or Ed Sullivan or some old ABC Australia footage of Auntie Mimi and John Lennon on a plane doing an interview. There's just probably a hundred hours worth of companion video that go with the Your Mother Should Know book, which of course you can buy uh, on Amazon um, naturally. Mm-hmm. Of course you can, they will print one and send one. But if you would like to have it personally autographed and dedicated, you can buy both books. Um, but the second one is the newest, Your Mother Should Know at www.mrsmccartneystees, T-E-A-S, like cup of tea, .com. And um, we have our 15 organic flavors of tea on there. We have books. We have uh, CDs, 8 by 10s like all kinds of fun stuff. But, you know, she's 90. She's running her own e-commerce store. My husband just ran, I think, 50 books to the, uh, to the mailbox to drop those off. So she's in touch with people all over the world. And you can find us both on Facebook. I'm both Ruth McCartney and Ruth Ann McCartney because when you get to 5,000 people, they make you open another page. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And she is Mrs. McCartney's teas, Mrs. McCartney's wines. She has a, an organic cocktail mixer wine company. If you live in California or Texas, we can ship to you. And um, yeah, we're not hard to did, find. Now, my, now, did I hear a rumor that your wine may be available? Hopefully, with the distributor, the, the vineyard that makes it, Clear Creek Vineyards down in Texas. Um, is trying to get another distributed deal, which will take us into, I think, nine more states. But distributing alcohol on the internet is very, very governmentally controlled and complicated, and it it changes every quarter. So um, we didn't know when we started the company that we would only be able to sell to the the two source states where the ingredients come from. But, you know, every single state, and in some case in Illinois and New York, each county – wants you to um, buy a yearly upfront franchise excise tax license. So to do, to just be able to distribute and then give the distributor 35%, 
costs about 150,000 a year just in licenses before you sell one bottle. So you feel like sure. you you pay it, it almost sounds like the mafia. Uh, <laughs> you know, pay your well, fee. Yeah. Give me give me your annual dues, we'll take care of you. Notice I said Illinois and New York there. <laughs> yeah, Chicago and New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, I have lots of really, really good friends and protectors whose last name ends in a vowel. So I'm not going to say anything bad about those folks. My first husband's name was Antonelli, for heaven's sake. So. Um, and, my, and, and my maiden name is Di Benedetto. So, and we're from, oh, we're from North, North Jersey. So are you, are, you related, are you related to Tony Bennett? No, and it's that's a funny story. Um, my dad did encounter him, and they did not get along. Oh, interesting. Okay, fine. Well, Tony Bennett took his to, took my dad's seat on the plane. My dad told him get out. Oh. <laughs> so, in first I class, have, he wanted. <laughs> I hope they weren't flying to San Francisco. If you get my drift. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, I don't. I don't, I don't know. Thing. I just. I just know that it, it, from that point on, there was. There wasn't much talk between no. them after that. So, um, so yeah. The final thing I will say for your, for your Beatle fan listeners is that my husband, Martin Nethercutt, writes three or four articles a day and curates the daily online news blog called McCartney.com. So go there and um, check out this, I think, about 4,000 Beatle-related articles. So he's building this huge archive, has been doing for years and years. And mm-hmm. we post occasional things on Facebook, but, uh, yeah, go, go subscribe to it's free McCartney.com and, um, you know, check out some of the funny bits and pieces we find from the extended Beatles family. Right. You do have links to, to, uh, everybody in the, in the Beatles and the McCartney family for, um, is that, I saw links about, was it about the members? Um, or was it? It's various. It's all kinds of things. I mean, there's, you know, yeah, just and, go check and, it and, and 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 related articles and stuff on each. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, everybody. There's about four thousand pages on the website, so there's plenty to grab a cup of Mrs. McCartney's tea and go read the McCartney Times. And as and as I said to your mom, I loved I love her herbal decafs. I don't do caffeine very right. well, so I have mm-hmm. I absolutely love her her uh, her decaf teas, and you know as I soon think. as that chill hits the air. I'm, I'm right. on it. Great, great, great. Anyway, thank you so much. So, well, thank you so much, Ruth, for filling us in on on some of the details of what it's like to suddenly be thrust into, you know, the Beatles world. And yes. it sounds like you handled it wonderfully. I guess you know when you're five, that's yeah. a little easier to roll with it. You know, when you're you when you're five, better. when you're five, and you know kids are having to go at you in school you say when life gives you lemons you make lemonade now that i'm 60 when life gives me potatoes i just make vodka yeah <laughs> sounds sounds about right well thank you and thank your mom also Absolutely. for being our for being our guest and uh thank you everybody for listening listening in uh listening to another episode of i saw the beatles until next week just let it be